Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 345. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Chile, Louisville, Kentucky. And this is another one of those listener interaction shows. So let's uh, let's just dive right on into this. I got a lot to get to tonight, and uh, so let's uh, start with some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff I've gotten in the mail, and uh, I've done face casts on all these things. So if you're on the Facebook group, and you should be, uh, I've done little face casts that show all these fine things that these fine people have sent me in the mail. But uh, let's start off with uh, a little thing from uh, Steve Ingram, and he sends me a nice little letter here, all typewritten, I might say. How analog is that? He says, Dear Mike, as mentioned in my DM on Instagram, I have really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I have a 30-minute commute to work each day, and most days lately I've had your podcast streaming while making the drive to and from work. I enjoy the laid-back approach you have and to what can be a rather complicated subject. My drive is to the factory. Ha! Another factory work. I like it. (laughs) I'm a production supervisor and project liaison for my department at Quaker Oats. I manage the front line and am currently assisting with the installation of a second new packaging line. I have been in manufacturing for 12 years now. Started out as an hourly, driving a forklift, working as a packaging operator, and then finally making the jump to management. Please don't hate me for being in management. (laughs) Laugh out loud. I won't hate you for that. Uh, I have to work with management quite a bit. I'm a team leader now, so I'm still union, but I still have to deal with you company types. I know know, know your type. I know you, but... joking all right he continues uh, prior to manufacturing i was a full i was full-time as photographer in many different ways the 10 years following college i was a photojournalist and a photo editor at three different small daily papers i assisted with a studio photographer and also owned my own studio for a short bit i also made 10 types and ambro types as a historical wet plate photographer for over 10 years that process is the most rewarding and most humbling experience i've ever had in photography wow Steve, you've done a lot here, man. Um, When I started in factory life in 2008, I was still trying to balance my interest in photography with the daily and weekend required overtime and being a father of two kids. Uh, Gradually, uh, my time shifted to soccer games and dance recitals, and my photo stuff really took a backseat to trying to balance work and life. As you know, it is hard to find that creative time after working all day and squeezing what free time you you do have into family time. Man, it sounds uh, I know all this all this way too well Steve (laughs) all right Uh, this year however the tide has finally begun to sway my daughter is no longer in dance as heavily she's still on a dance team and my son is in sports limbo for his soccer season I have had time to spend a weekend or two taking pictures and making something on my letterpress printing in the darkroom etc it feels fantastic to get some of that time back not only have I seen my wife more in the last year or so than I had in the last 10 I'm not driving to some town three hours away to sit either inside or in the sun all weekend to watch my kids and their activities. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. I am, however, enjoying this post-almost-empty-nest, getting-to-know-my-wife-again time of my life. (laughs) My kids make fun of me because I'm so analog. They snicker when they hear me type on this typewriter, or glaze over when I talk about film or something even less exciting, fountain pens. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) I started a new home for all my analog geekery. On Instagram, you can find me at print and type, all one word, print and type. Uh, And I also have printandtype.com, that is P-R-I-N-T-A-N-D-T-Y-P-E.com. Uh, which honestly, at this point, leads me back, uh, leads back to my Instagram account. I really don't have anything to sell at this point. I just, I'm just enjoying uh, the aspect of sharing my analog interest. 
I have way too many cameras. I decided to make a concerted effort to focus on one camera and make a go at putting together some work by the end of 2021. My choice is going to be my Hoga 120S. Nice which I have owned since the late 90s. I probably can't go completely one camera, but I really am going to, I really, but I'm really going to try. Uh, it's, you know, it's, I, I've often said, I, I could probably go a long time just shooting my Hoga. Hogas are so much fun. I, I love Hogas. So uh, I can see it. I can see it. I'm with you on this. Okay, he continues. In the uh, 32 years I've been shooting film, I figured out that I have developed about 13,000 rolls of film. That's a lot of GD film, Mike. <laughs> That is, my goodness. Uh, a lot of which uh, was souped on steel reels. When uh, when the cocoa is, is over, I'd love to make a day trip down to Louisville. We can have a couple of beers and I can get you all squared away on your Hughes reel, Hughes reel situation. <laughs> yeah, I've had some trouble with trying to get this, uh, use steel reels in my developing, but uh, maybe, maybe Steve can help me out. Uh, okay, he continues. I am including my first analog zine with this letter. Photos were made last year with copy done over the last two years here and there. Also being sent is an ornament I made. The paper is handmade and the text printed on my Kelsey Press. Handset type in letterpress. We have a lot in common, Mike. I re I'm really enjoying your podcast as my own interest in photography and all things analog are starting to come back. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Uh, it is T minus five minutes before I head to bed. I can tell my typing errors have increased as I've come closer to the end of the day after a 10 hour day at work managing bozos like you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, uh, uh, us line workers can give, give you management types and problems. I, I, I get you. <laughs> have a good holiday. All the best to you and your family. Regards, Steve Ingram. And uh, Steve is you know, obviously on, uh, on uh, Instagram at print and type. Also, I think his account, it's Steve underscore uh, O underscore 13. And uh, also his website, which was, what was it? Uh, was it printandtype.com? Um, yeah. So check those out. And let's just find out about what, what he sent here. Well, first of all, it is a, a little like hand press sort of uh, recycled paper uh, Christmas ornament, Christmas tree ornament. It says Merry Christmas 2020 on the on the front of it. On the back, he has a little note here. It says, please enjoy, enjoy this hand-formed 100% recycled paper ornament printed with handset type on a 5x8 Kelsey press yarn. There's a little yarn hanger here. Yarn is 100% wool from the flock of our friend Susie Began. And again, his website, uh, www.printandtype.com. And but that's not all. He did send send this zine. It's called Unplugged Analog Zine. And folks, this is uh, <laughs> this is exactly the way I remember like zines in the '90s, right? Like the the the, the kind of the uh, quintessential what a zine looked like. Uh, at least what I used to picture zines back in the '90s. Uh, all like uh, totally non-digital, no digital software or whatever involved in the making of the zine. And some really nice uh, photos in here. Um, and uh, looks like some. Uh, uh, I don't know if these are all Polaroids or, um, or not. Kind of looks like uh, some Polaroid or, or maybe Instax uh, photos by the way the borders are. Maybe not, though. Uh, yeah, it looks like it. Here, here it says, Behind the zine. Copy printed on a 1966 Olympia typewriter. Headlines printed with a 1940 Kelsey Press and a Dymo labeler. <laughs> photos are either instant pics from vintage Polaroid cameras shot with my Instax Mini or made with an analog film camera printed in the darkroom. This zine incorporates all the pre-computer goodness I love. I hope you enjoy it, Steve Ingram. Uh, so uh, that is Steve Ingram, I-N-G-R-A-M. So uh, yeah, check out his uh, his uh, Instagram and his website. 
And uh, this guy is all in on the on the analog goodness. Thank you so much, Steve, for this. Uh, not only the cool stuff you sent, but that that, that, that letter. Uh, we do it sounds like we do have a lot in common. And uh, the nice things you said about the podcast and the fact that you're enjoying it uh, really does make my day. So uh, uh, you know, I just I really appreciate it. Uh, super awesome stuff, and uh, uh, what a fantastic thing to get in the mail. Uh, thank you, Steve. All right, next up is uh, from Ian Turpin. Now, Ian has the Ordinary Photographer podcast. If you haven't checked that out, please check that out. Uh, he's on Instagram at uh, Ian underscore C-T-E-E. Uh, Ian Turpin, it's at, at Ian, I-A-N underscore C-T-E-E on Instagram. And check out his, uh, his podcast, obviously, The Ordinary Photographer, on all your podcast platforms. Uh, there's a little letter here. It says, hi, Mike. I just popped the zine in the post to you because I thought you might find it amusing. Thank you for all the shows you and your co-captains have done throughout 2020. You've kept me smiling when it's been a pretty miserable year. I hope you, <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I hope you and your family have a great Christmas and New Year. All the best, Ian. Well, Ian, I hope you and your family had a great Christmas and New Year as well. Uh, but what is it? What is it? What is it? What is this scene? What is this scene? Well, it's uh, titled N O M F U P. Uh, apparently, that's a, a little little uh, <laughs> uh, shortened for not my effing problem, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and also on the on the front cover it says about people who couldn't care less and uh, <laughs> on the inside it says apparently resentment is the poison you take hoping someone else will die i take the same three mile walk every day i take these photos on that route wondering why some people do the things they do it's not their problem some people just don't care and uh, <laughs> so we go through the zine and there's like these quotes um uh, from different people and uh, <laughs> like here's one here uh, uh, just because you can't dance doesn't mean you shouldn't dance and that's the quote is from alcohol <laughs> but there's different quotes on each page with uh, with each picture and uh, most of the photos are like some stupid things that humans do uh, like leaving trash in really beautiful spots so this is a kind of a, a, an essay a photo essay in people's litter and uh, in, in beautiful spots and uh you know i see these things too when i'm out walking in the woods or or doing landscape photography you see these things all the time where people have just left things and uh just being uh, as, uh, you know I, I, what i like about the scene is uh it shows how just how how uh, awful humans can be sometimes <laughs> and, and why sometimes we have a hard time um uh, liking other humans i, I guess uh, there is one particular photo i really uh, will quote that i like it's from ian himself uh and it's a, it's a picture of a car on the side of the road and the quote from Ian is uh, uh, on the opposite on the page before it says, "I can tell by the way you park your car that I hate you." <laughs> I love it. Uh, so thank you, Ian, for this zine. I really got a kick out of it. And uh, you know, I, I try to be a positive person. I try to to love love all, right? But there are times you see people do certain things like, yeah. I can tell I, I I I can tell you're not a not a real cool not a real cool guy. I, I can tell I wouldn't really want to hang out with you because of maybe the way you parked your car. So <laughs> uh, thank you, Ian, so much for uh, a zine. I got a I got a pretty good kick out of. My wife uh, enjoyed it quite a bit too. So, <laughs> but uh, also I got a uh, print from Pete Donovan. Yeah, Pete has the uh, the Facebook group. Uh, it's called the Film and Letter Pen Pal Exchange. So if you're interested in uh, exchanging letters and uh, and and and, film and prints, uh, photo photography prints with other people, that's a great Facebook to get on there. It's the Film and Letter Pen Pal Exchange. And print, uh, Pete sent me uh, like three of these so far, and I've yet to send him one. Pete, you're on my to do list. I have it on my to do list to send you some prints because I owe you, owe you some, buddy. And uh, so, Mr. Pete Donovan, uh, who was one of the original hosts of uh, uh, the Grainy Days podcast, so uh, 
uh, and Pete's possibly uh, going to be starting up something else soon, hopefully. So we'll we'll let you know about that if that happens. But uh, uh, I love Pete Donovan. He's a great person in the community and uh, just super super nice guy. But let's uh, a little note here in his print his film and letter pin pal exchange he sent me it says dear mike hey man happy holidays to you and yours i hope that this letter finds you well and i hope that you enjoy the print that i sent you i just wanted to send you out a little message to you and the Gutterman family to to wish you a very merry christmas and happy new year nothing much to say here because well it's the holidays and it's pretty boring up here in new hampshire <laughs> i hope all is well in your neck of kentucky thanks again for the podcast and keeping it fun talk soon stay safe sane and merry christmas Cheers, my friend, Pete Donovan. Well, Pete, I hope you had a great Christmas and a happy new year yourself. And thank you so much, man. And I owe you some prints. But let's talk about this print that Pete sent. It's a beautiful black and white photo of, uh, of uh, like, you know, beach fences. You see on, like, the, the sand dunes at, in, at beaches and stuff like that. I'm assuming this is what this is. Uh, it looks just like the beach fences I see in Florida. And uh, I've taken a bazillion shots of these myself. I can't help but to take them, especially like uh, the way the shadows play on all the uh, like sunsets or sunrise or uh, sunsets on the beach. As you get all these long shadows from these beach fences, and uh, yeah, I've taken particularly hoga shots, a ton of hoga shots of these things. Uh, I don't know if any of mine are as good as Pete's here, but uh, uh, but you know, I, I I can't help but to take them. It's like uh, it's almost like like peers. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of a sucker for peer photos as well. <laughs> I think I think we kind of all are, uh, but yeah, uh, just a beautiful black and white print, nice tones in it. Uh, some beach fences and uh thank you so much pete and uh, i will one of these days reciprocate with some some prints back at you so <laughs> okay uh that's uh that's the mail i've gotten so let's get to uh i want to get a couple of shout outs here too uh a couple of youtube channels have used some of my my background music for productions on my Bandcamp site uh uh in some of their videos they've released uh, recently and i just want to give them a little shout out here uh angela solis uh, she's been on the show before and uh, she actually has a, a new a YouTube video up. She's on YouTube at Camera Jen. That is Camera J-I-N uh, on YouTube. And she has a video called My 2020 is a huge big, a huge B-roll. <laughs> so in that video, she uses one of, one of my tunes from my Bandcamp page. So thank you, Angela, for doing that. Using some of my music, it really makes my day when people use uh, can find use for, use for some of my uh, background music for their productions and uh uh and it's a it's a it's a, like a b-roll shows a lot of a lot of footage of her uh shooting in various uh like a portraits and then walking through the woods and doing some shooting and just some various like i guess like b-roll of uh, some of her shooting in 2020 and <coughs> excuse me and she uses uh the song she used uh it's actually one of the ones i'm most proud of so i was really happy someone used that tune because i really didn't uh, it's one you know i'm not proud of a lot of the music i've made but i, I was kind of proud of that song so uh, she, she made a good choice a good, good choice angela so check it out on youtube camera jen that's uh angela solis and also another uh youtube uh channel has used some of my music uh, it's jamie uh, maldonado and that is m-a-l-d-o-n-a-d-o and his first name is J Jamie J A M I E Jamie Maldonado, and uh, the links will be in the in the show notes. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he's on YouTube under his name Jamie Maldonado. He did a video. The title was like "Sold My Fuji GFX Film Photography with Contax G1 Bronica ETRS with Kodak Portra 160 Ultramax 400." So yeah, and he does a, a like a model shoot and uh, using uh, these cameras and, and those different film stocks. And even some does some Polaroid, and even uses some like uh, oh, what is it, uh, the Ferrania P30, which man, he got some really good shots with that film. Uh, but yeah, just uh, it's an amazing video, and he gets some fantastic portraits, and uh, has a, has a, a wonderful model, and and uh, it's just just a really really well done video, and uh, 
man, you, Jamie, your photography was fantastic in that video too. Like the shots you got of, of the model was fantastic. Uh, but uh, he used a couple of my tracks on there and I was very, very happy about that. Uh, I just thought it was uh, really cool to see, uh, see, again, like some of my music being used on a really, really nicely done production. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jamie. And uh, check him out on YouTube, Jamie Maldonado on YouTube. And uh, yeah, and thank you so much. So any folks, any of you have uh, YouTube productions you're doing or uh, podcasts you're doing or anything where you need some background music, I've said it a million times, uh, you can check it and get my music for free. Um, it's on uh, www.mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And there's uh, quite a few albums up there of, uh, I guess, royalty-free Creative Commons licensed music. And it's kind of a deal. You can get them free or you can donate whatever you want for the tracks, whatever you think they're worth. If you think they're worth nothing, then just get them for free. It's no big deal. I just, I'm just happy people are finding some use for them uh, rather than just languishing on my hard drive. So, uh, okay. Um, let's see. What else here? Let's get to some emails. I had a couple emails to get to here. Uh, let's go with, uh, let's see, Mike Kukavica. He says... Happy New Year, buddy. All the best to you and your family and your loved ones. I also just wanted to say how tickled I was to see the drunk darkroom on the envelope you sent me. <laughs> you should have seen the look on my wife's face when I showed her. <laughs> well, I had to write the drunk darkroom on your on your envelope, right? I get a lot of mail uh, to me that's addressed Mike Gutterman, uh, the Gutterman Cave <laughs> in my address. I always get a kick out of that myself. But, uh, and then he says, I really want to get my arse up there to see you and go out and shoot some cool film photos. It's on my list I want to do in 2021. Take care. Be healthy, my friend. Sincerely, Mike Kukavica, who's at kukavica.com, uh, K-U-K-A-V-I-C-A.com. And he's also the Drunk Darkroom on uh, Instagram. So check him out. Uh, thanks, Mike. And uh, uh, I can't wait. I hope you do get a chance to get up here uh, to the River City, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, and we could uh, do a little shoot together. That would be uh, super awesome. I'd love to meet you in person. Uh, yeah. And and, uh, and hey, Happy New Year and uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Hopefully hopefully you had a, a good holiday. Uh, let's see, what else here? We got um, an email from Nigel Cliff. He's talking about the uh, all the call-ins we had about uh, from in, in, the, in the last episode. And he says, a call-ins from 2020. He says, hi, Mike, Roxana, and uh, Andre. It's interesting listening to the call-ins on the latest show. Sorry, I forgot to do mine. But what struck me was the number of people who have shot less in 2020. I've been fortunate in that I was furloughed early on and then able to retire. And as a result, I've shot more this year than probably ever before. Checking my Facebook catalogs, it's some 5,000 shots. Okay, only 15% of those are film, but that's more film than I've shot since the advent of digital, and hopefully in 2021, it can be closer to 25%, at least until the pension runs out. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Keep up the great work, and here's hoping 2021 will be better for all uh, for all than 2020 was. Nigel Cliff. Well, thank you so much, Nigel, for the nice uh, nice note there, and uh, Nigel's uh, one of the one of the best supporters of this podcast, most, most frequent uh, supporters of this podcast, and we, uh, we love uh, Nigel to death, and that. Uh, thank you, Nigel, for a, a nice note and for uh, just being an awesome dude. And okay, what else here? Got one more. Now this one's this one's crazy, folks. Uh, this is a uh, uh, Mr. Ken Bertram, and uh, Ken has been a long uh, a, a good supporter of this podcast, and particularly uh, Roxana Angle's uh, school program. He's he's been real good at like. Uh, helping her, uh, you know, uh, with film and, and cameras and such for for her uh, school program for her students, her film uh, program, and like he's just been such a great like giving person in this community. So, uh, but this is this is uh, another just another thing that shows just how, just how cool Ken is. So, <laughs> he says, "Dear Mike and Andre, in these times of uncertainty." 
I think we could all use a little more humor. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I would like to provide prizes for another dad joke contest. If you agree to it and can get a judge, I'm providing the following. For the third prize, three rows of 35mm Lamography 800. For second prize, five rows of HP5. Winner's choice of 35mm or 120. And the grand prize of a $50 gift certificate from the FPP if they are in the U.S. And if they are overseas, $50 from Analog Wonderland. Let me know what you think. Thanks, Ken. Well, I can tell you what I think, Ken. Hell yes. <laughs> like, you're going to provide those awesome prizes for me to do a dad joke contest and get uh, another another uh, just uh, crop of dad jokes to annoy my, my, my sons with? I mean, I'm all in. I'm all in. So I'm going to go ahead and announce it. Uh, to get a chance to win some of these awesome prizes from Ken, I'm not sure how we're going to judge it yet, but let's just go ahead and start getting the entries. Uh, I don't know how long I'll run it. We'll just see how, how flooded the, the email box gets with these. So let's just have one entry per person and uh, to find your favorite dad joke and send it to negpositives at gmail.com. Email it to negpositives at gmail.com. Your favorite dad joke. Just one. One, one entry per person, please. Uh, and we will uh, come up with a way to judge these. And uh, I'll certainly be sharing them on future episodes as, we, as I get them in. And, <laughs> and we will uh, find winners, big wieners, for these awesome prizes from Ken Bertram. I mean, how generous is that? Three rows of 35mm Lomography 800 for third prize. Second prize gets five rows of HP5 and either 35 or 120. Uh, 120. And uh, a grand prize of a $50 gift certificate from either the FPP or Analog Wonderland, depending on where you're at in the world. How awesome is that? Thank you, Ken. Not only is it a great ideal and gets me to hear, uh, gets me to be able to laugh at more dad jokes, but just, man, that is so generous and uh, just very cool. Uh, Ken, can't thank you enough there, man. Like, th this is going to be fun. So, thank you for a, a wonderful opportunity to get some dad jokes and another opportunity for uh, people of this podcast to win some really cool prizes. So, uh, very, very cool. Thank you, Ken. Wow. Okay, I think that's it for this segment. Uh, we're going to get to the second segment here after this break. Uh, and it's going to be a solo show interview that I did with Mr. Leo Nikishan. And Leo does the 10 Rows of Film podcast. And he now has a YouTube channel also under 10 Rows of Film. And Leo's pretty much 10 Rows of Film everywhere. So he's easy to find. So, uh, But you're going to hear from Mr. Leo Nikishan right after this break. So we'll take a break and be right back, folks. Folks, it's time to do another another one of these little uh, solo show interviews that we've been doing a lot here a lot lately. Trying to get people on the show that can't necessarily, due to time zones uh, all over the world, that can't necessarily join us when we normally record a normal negative positive. So um, it's been it's been a long time coming, and uh, you know, um, just uh, going all the way to uh, the Netherlands here for this one, a little trip to the Netherlands to uh, talk to uh, Leo Nikishan. And I hope I just pronounced your name right, Leo. I didn't even check with you before we started recording. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's good enough. <laughs> that always tells me I did it quite a little bit wrong, but <laughs> but and I, I think one time uh, you had emailed the program or something and said um, uh, you could just you could just call me Leo, Mike, because I, I don't know if I was pronouncing is it Leonid? Is that right? The actual name? Uh, well, in Russian you say Leonid. Leonid, okay. And yeah, what, but we, what I, we, 
but I found out through my sort of years of living in countries that are not Russian speaking that uh, it's way easier if I shouldn't read to Leo and just, you know, let, right. let everyone be. Right, right. And and, and, and Nikishin, was I right there? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> you still, yeah, she's not, not giving me any confidence here. I still, still feel like I might. No, no, a, it, that one is okay. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy to be one of those Russians that don't have a sort of unpronounceable surnames. <laughs> very, very nice. Well, you know, you could have a, uh, you could have Gutterman as your name. So uh, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a little bit of a strange one in itself. But I guess at least it's easy to pronounce. But <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, so Leo, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's um, it's sort of early-ish morning, so uh, I'm yeah. Right, I'm right. feeling a bit feeling, feeling a bit morningy, but yeah. <laughs> well, it is uh, again. Uh, imagine it's uh, late at night here in the in the the Gutterman Cave, and it's actually uh, the 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 ending of my Thanksgiving day. So uh, I should say we are recording this on November. Well, it's now November twenty seventh, uh, and uh, I am still uh, recovering from the gigantic Thanksgiving meal that I ate. So <laughs> I'm a little sluggish, but uh, I'm getting some beer in me right now to get a little a little pep to my step here. So, <laughs> but I got to say. Uh, well, Leo said he, he's he's experienced Thanksgiving at one point. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's a basically. Uh, I don't know why we do it to ourselves. It's like you, 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 you it's like this one day where you can kind of guilt free just uh, gorge yourself on food, and you know that the consequences, and you still do it every year. I've done it every year for my entire life, and. I'm always miserable that night. So, but uh, but I'm not miserable now because I'm talking to Leo, and it's all it's all good. So, uh, and I might say oh, also, Leo, one of the also one of the you know I've had a lot of people here recently with uh, some of the best hair in the film community, and I think Leo, you're you're in that in that class of some of the best hair in the, the film community. So there you go. <laughs> all right, I I should I should uh, clip clip out that part that part of the recording and uh, give it on like a on like a. a as a special present to my girlfriend because she's been cutting my hair lately. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey man, keep the keep the girlfriend happy, and uh, you know, uh, I know the, the the saying "happy wife, happy life." So uh, I may I think the same applies to girlfriends. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, Leo, this is your first time on negative positive, so I think we got to start with you know the, the 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 you know the question everybody has to ask. It has to be done. Uh, just how did you get into this uh, photography madness, particularly the the film side of it? Uh, so, you know, growing up in in Moscow in in the '90s, um, I sort of, you know, of course, the cameras were obviously film. Uh, I think my family had a Polaroid of some sort mm. that I don't think ever produced a non-blurry picture. <laughs> uh, it just was one of the Polaroids that didn't have any sort of focusing. It was just fixed focus, and yeah. Uh, and then. I think in early 2000s, my dad went on a business trip to Japan and he brought back what I now think was one of those Olympus Mu Zooms. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like not, 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 not like not, one not, of the fancy yeah, primes, not, but yeah, the, yeah. the Zoom one. Yeah. But even the Zoom one was pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely head and shoulders above everything I've, I've seen before. Like the pictures were like perceptibly better, even mm-hmm. for me as a kid. And uh, sort of, I started using that, and it was nice. And then I discovered that oh, you actually don't have to bother with film, and you can and you can do it digitally. Mm-hmm. And there was a stint of digital, and there was a DSLR. Well, around around the time when I went to university um, and moved to England because that's where I did my bachelor. 
And then, during my first year in uni, I I was dating this girl, and she invited me to her place, and oh, I saw this is, wall. Is this going to be is this going to be a, a, a adult rated kind? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm 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 uh, steering away from danger. Uh, so, and, then, and she had this wall in her room. She had this wall full of small, like ten by ten by fifteen, or I guess in inches is like four by five or four by six, four by six. Mm-hmm. Um, four by six prints, uh, and they just had this amazing colors and amazing contrast, and they were just not um, not like anything I've shot or seen, and it just totally blew me away. And later I realized that she was uh, she was using some sort of really really cheap film camera, and she was shooting slide film and cross processing it, nice, uh, just giving it just giving it to a lab. And I mean, most of the shots were crap. But right. the colors and and the, just the look was was really something else, and uh, I got hooked, and uh, I sold the DSLR, I bought a film camera, and didn't go the cross processing look actually, because when I realized what film can do when it's processed as it's intended, it's actually mm-hmm. better to my eye. Uh, but yeah, from that point it was sort of um, a roll down the hill. So you know, before I knew it, I wanted to try medium format. Uh, thankfully, I was never, you know, well off enough <laughs> to, to go for <laughs> large format. But uh, yeah, it was sort of um, snowballing from there. So when uh, you and saw, also when, when when you went to this uh, this uh, this uh, this fine uh, young lady's place uh, <laughs> and saw these photos, what, what, what about what year was this? Was would this been like in the height of like Lomo? Really, uh, uh, Lamar? Do you think she was a Lamographer and you just didn't know it? <laughs> I guess I guess she was like in the early wave because that must have been two thousand. I want to say two thousand eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Lomo was pretty pretty. You know, was kicking pretty good then. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, uh, who knows? Who knows if she knew about it? But yeah, um, I. Uh, uh, speaking of, we we talked about this a little bit in the pre-recording, and uh, I'll let you get back to your to your uh, thing here. To say, but it's a little segue here. But uh, but the uh, uh, I the only Russian camera I own is is the Lomo LCA, and I've talked about it here a little bit on the show at, at times. Uh, and you know, I got it, and I was so excited about it. Matter of fact, a listener actually gifted it to me, which was amazing. And uh, so, and. You know, I, I shot it. I was so excited. I was going to get this Lomo look. You know, I'm going to get the I'm going to get the high color saturation and the vignetting. It's going to it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I found that um, it just takes regular point and shoot normal photos. <laughs> like I was a little little disappointed. So I think I'm going to have to try it again and use slide film and cross process it and see if it actually will give me the Lomo look that way because I'm not getting it with just regular film and the uh, uh, and developed properly in the LCA. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe I need to need to do a cross processing. I had I went through I think I went through a cross processing phase and I, I really dug it. I got some cool stuff, but sometimes it was always like uh, you know a, a feast or famine with it. Like sometimes it was just awful, and sometimes it was just awesome. You know, but yeah. I also never quite understood what the Loma look really is. <laughs> like right. I, I, it, 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 at this point, it seems like such a blurry concept. Yeah, and like here's the thing that. They Lomo was uh, was excellent at like uh, getting you excited 
about like getting this look. I, th- I think they 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 did a good job in their advertising and stuff to show you like the really really good examples, but they didn't show you the uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, failed re- <laughs> failed results of people trying to get that look. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. But uh, I, in my mind, I think I know what the Lomo look is, but I've rarely seen it in my own photography, no matter how hard I've tried to get it. So, but yeah, uh, but also. Uh, this is another little, I'm kind of distracting you from where you're at, but uh, uh, being originally from Russia, we talked a little bit in the pre-recording, uh, Russian cameras, any uh, love or hate uh, on those? Uh, where, where were you at with Russian cameras? Since I'm guessing you were exposed to quite a few of them, right? Well, actually, uh, my grandfather uh, had, uh, I think it was a Zorky, either Zorky 3 or Zorky 4, I'm not sure, and Esmena. Uh, mm. 8M, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I only remember seeing them. I never shot them because they. I, I I remember my mother just having them in a in a box in our house in like a storage room, and when I finally got around to shooting film, I thought, oh my god, my parents might have had those cameras all this time. I'm I, I'm gonna get those and use them, and uh, no one could ever find them. So ah. yeah, they they just sort of vanished into the ether of time. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But I do remember them looking pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and as for my own experience, I did try uh, a Zenit 3M, which is a pretty pretty nice camera. It just has two problems. First problem is that it has the least useful mount of all time. Mm. It has this M39 uh, screw mount thread, uh, screw screw mount thread mount, whatever. Yeah. Uh, which is the same. Uh, diameter as the Leica screw mount, but it's not it's not uh, uh, it's not the same because okay. yeah, one is one is an SLR, one is the rangefinder. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, the flange distances are all wrong, and so it has like I think four or five lenses for it total. Mm. Uh, and the, the one that I got was uh, the Helios forty four, and it was the, like the really early sort of full metal silver version with countless aperture blades <laughs> and that lens was actually really nice and mm. it was incredibly well built which didn't mm-hmm. which i didn't expect somehow uh but yeah the camera was had this stupid mount and also had i swear to god the worst viewfinder i've ever looked at <laughs> that viewfinder is so dim and so tiny it covers something like 70 percent of the frame oh wow wow it's it's really not great Right, uh, but still, you know, I I ended up enjoying the experience overall, and uh, yeah, actually, when I when I came around to making a zine, I think something like three or four shots actually ended up there. So yeah, oh, very cool. Um, then I tried the rangefinders. I tried a couple of feds, the fed two and fed uh, fed three was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bit bulky. Fed two was probably my favorite out of all of them. And hmm. it's just a, a really nice balance of being very small, very light, and uh, having usable viewfinder. Not great, but usable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just a nice little camera. And it's pretty simple. It doesn't have any bells and whistles to really go wrong. No slow speeds and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, hmm. it was that one was very nice. I actually do now a little bit regret selling it. So yeah. 
Right, right. Well, so one thing that interests me is I'm thinking like uh, you're talking about you went away, uh, you left, I guess, Russia and went to uh, the UK, I guess, for school, for university, right? Yeah. Right, see, my son is in his last year of um, high school, which I don't know what they call it where you're at. but And so he'll be going to university, college, but we'd call it here uh, in uh, next year. And he's you know, he wants to go away for college, but, you know, he's talking like just a state or two away. Like he, he's not talking about going to an entirely different country. And I just can't imagine like at that age being like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to the university in an entirely different country. That seems like, I don't know. I, I don't know if Americans do that as much or, or maybe it's, I, I, that, that seems like a really ballsy move to me. Like, it, it, was you like, what, about 18 when you did that? Yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was that was that a scary move? Because I'm trying to picture my son just moving a couple of states away next year, and and it might actually he's probably excited about it to just get away from us. But uh, I don't think uh, me and uh, and Mrs. Gutterman are all that uh, excited about him leaving us. But uh, but well, first of all, first of all, I have to confirm your worst fears. Uh, moving away from parents is amazing, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I also have to say, like, you know, there are some challenges, but also, you know, when you are moving uh, from, you know, from a country like Russia, e- even from the capital, uh, you know, it just prepares you for a lot of things. Like, you know, it's, it's difficult to put me into the environment where I will be absolutely lost. Right. Because, right. Of that. because you know, you, you grew up in a huge city and, you know, it's, uh, I'm not going to say, you know, life in Moscow is hard. No, it's not. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's. Like I, I moved specifically. I moved to Birmingham, uh, which is you know a, a fairly uh, large city in the UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's second biggest, third biggest, something. Okay. Uh, but yeah, to me it always felt small because like I, I, I'm used to, to to a city much bigger and sort of much more chaotic. Mm. So to me it actually felt fairly cozy and sort of easy to adjust to. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I think you know. Uh, Moving away, that was nice. And also, usually, universities sort of take care of the new arrivals. And so mm. they, they help you orient yourself. And uh... Well, good. That, that makes me feel a little better. <laughs> because uh, my son is actually, uh, he's a pretty confident guy. So I, I think he, he's going to be fine. Well, it's just going to be how... Me and the missus take it. I think it's more more be the the problem. But <laughs> I actually told him though. I was like, you know, because uh, I went to school uh, to university. I went to college here in town. So I basically just commuted to college. I didn't live on campus and all that stuff. And I told him early on uh, in his school career, I was like, you know, when you go to college, go away because I don't think you get the college experience if you go to college in your hometown and you still live at home and all that. It's just not the college experience. And I, I do want him to go away. And I, I encourage that because I think, you know, there's something to that and getting that independence and, you know, and um, uh, I just think you get that college experience by not, you know, still being able to wash your clothes in mom and dad's washer and dryer. So, it, so you know, there's that. But um but so uh, I, I can't, we kind of got really sidetracked here. Where were we at with your, your film journey? Because uh, I know, okay, at this point, you're back in, you're, you're shooting film again. And, uh, and so where did, that, where did that lead you at that point? Because uh, did you, like, give up digital entirely? Is that where we're at? Well, uh, initially, yes. Uh, I did sell the DSLR to, to, to buy a film camera. Um, and that was a very important camera for me because it was a Minolta, I think, XG... M, mm-hmm. uh, and but the camera kind of didn't matter. What mattered was the lens because it was the first time I used an actual like proper prime lens. It was oh, I yeah. think the 
50 millimeter Rockor 1.7, uh, and that that like that lens changed the way I see. That's how like, that's how big of an impact that was, mm-hmm. because it was uh, you know obviously it had all the you know larger aperture thing yeah. going on. Uh, although bokeh wasn't as much of a thing back then, <laughs> right, right. I think. I, I, mean, I don't even did they even did the term even exist back then? Yeah, uh, I think the term existed, <laughs> but uh, it, it wasn't as much of a household name. Right, right, right. Uh, I remember that. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it was just so much sharper, and just the colors were amazing, and the, just the versatility was amazing. I could shoot in low light and stuff like that. Yeah, it was really a, like a, a sort of a, a life altering experience. And mm-hmm. actually, like to this day, even though I don't actually currently own any 35 millimeter cameras or lenses, oh, wow. I I often find myself, uh, you know, if one pops up locally, I often find myself having a bit of an itch mm-hmm. because yeah, just and, and they're always cheap. So you know, it's a 1.7, so they are everywhere and oh, yeah, like anywhere between five and twenty bucks. So. You, Right, right. That's that's kind of the main lens I shoot on my Pentax. This is the one point seven fifty millimeter, and it's it's perfectly sharp and does exactly what I needed to do. I remember when yeah. I bought my first serious camera, when I was uh, I guess it was late late nineties, early two thousands, when I was really getting into photography seriously, and uh, I bought my first Pentax camera, and I went to the camera store and I, I bought the kit, you know, and had the had the 28 to 80 and the 80 to 200 zoom. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is a smart purchase, Mike, because I'll never need to buy another lens. My entire range is covered, you know, and and that turns out I hated them. <laughs> I hated those zoom yeah, lenses. The, and... <laughs> you, you, you did exactly what the advertisement wanted you to. Right, exactly. Yeah, I fell for it hook, line, and sinker, man. And, uh, and it just, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, and I honestly, uh, once I went to, um, uh, got some pr- a good 50 millimeter prime. I think it's the first thing I bought after that. And, uh, and it, I never went back. I don't think I ever used those zooms again. And, uh, I think I sold them on eBay for like $8 or something. <laughs> so, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it, 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 there's something about it, man, like going to a, a prime, a good prime lens and you see the results in your photography and just being able to have the, the, the wider apertures, you know, and, uh, and actually getting, uh, the bokeh is yeah. you're like, oh this is how this this is how they do it this is how the pros do it i get it now so <laughs> right but um and then so uh you know you're getting uh so you're you're all medium format now because you said you have no 35s is that right yes yes awesome. i uh sort of decided to standardize a little bit mm-hmm. and uh realized that i just I don't know, maybe because I've I've shot only medium format for quite a while uh, and uh, sort of got used to the length of the film, in a sense. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's just easier for me to, uh, you know, if I'm on a trip or if I'm even in a, like, a, a photo shoot environment, uh, it's easier for me to work with, you know, anywhere between 10 and 15 frames. Ah, man, I totally, uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually like, otherwise, it, otherwise it just gets all otherwise it gets all uh, sort of uh, a bit too long and I get I get the sense you know that I want to try very different things but if I try them on the same roll of film then chances are that you know the development will not work for either one of them right right, uh, right. so you know, getting into that portion and so yeah I, like 30, 36 always feels like an eternity to me and I I cannot imagine shooting half frame and having 72 oh, just God, scary. No. yeah i can't do that either yeah I, I if it wasn't for the fact that i have about a five-year supply of 35 millimeter uh, film in my freezer here in the in the cave i would probably really seriously consider 
uh, and I am seriously considering actually in a way uh, to just, I'm definitely going to start shooting more medium format because I just, I can't finish these 35 millimeter rows. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't shoot enough. I'm not. And when I do go out, I'm, I'm finding myself as I go out, I'm a little more picky than I used to be. And about, you know, spending a, a shooting a frame of film. And sometimes I, I feel like that's, I shouldn't be that way, but, uh, but I, I'm, I go out with a row of medium format and medium format camera. I come home, the row's done. I go out with a row yeah. of 36, 35 millimeter and it's, it's, it's half done. And like, it just, it drives me crazy. And it might be another month or two before I go out and shoot that same camera with that half row of film still left in it. And I don't remember what's on it and <laughs> all, this, all this stuff. And yeah, I just, it's just medium format really does fit the style that of of my photography better because 15's doable uh 36 not so much for me anymore yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, also, uh, I, I for a while actually, for a while I did make 35 millimeter work for me because it was sort of my uh, not everyday carry, but yeah, just sort of a, a, a visual notebook of sorts. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Actually, I used Fed Fed two for that for a little bit, um, and that worked well because I would just load it with a roll of. Uh, anything relatively flexible maybe like a portrait 400 or mm -hmm. or triax or something like that and and then just leave it there and then just shoot you know a frame or two when i felt like it or when you know uh you know a friend would show up uh in our house and i would want to take a picture of them you know on the fly mm. something like that and you know and, and then just you know over a course of a month or two i would finish the roll no worries no hurry and then just see these random shots uh but i've since started to use polaroid for that and okay. polaroid is better because yeah, okay it's it's just it's just so instant and i can just give the person uh one of the polaroids right away to take with them which is really nice yeah uh so yes ever since i started doing it with the polaroid that sort of uh close close the last uh opportunity for the 35 millimeter film for me yeah i i, I can see I can see that. Uh, I uh, uh, we have this little digital uh, instant camera that sh it still shoots out of print like an old Polaroid, but you know it's it's technically a digital camera. And uh, when we have parties and stuff, we whip that whip that thing out and just uh, take some. And we send them home with some some of those little digital fake Polaroids, basically, and they love them, you know. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's always a fun thing at uh, gatherings or whatever with friends and stuff. Um, I do know that. As I transition maybe into in the future, in the hopefully near future, shooting more medium format and maybe a little less 35 millimeter, I am going to have to get a little because there's always been a part of me is like uh, with medium format, like, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to uh, this is medium format, man. These got to be great shots. You know, I only got 15 of them, you know, like <laughs> I'm going to have to be a little less precious about it. But because I think with 35 millimeter, I do tend to be a little more run and gun and uh, because I've got so many frames. Uh, but I do. I, I'm going to have to find a balance between being too precious about it and, and run and gun. You know, there's, there's some, there's a, there's a middle ground there I need to find if I'm going to shoot more medium format. And, uh, yeah, right absolutely. now I think I'm, I'm on the two extremes right now. So, yeah. Um, uh, so at this point, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're shooting a lot of film. And, uh, so at some point, I guess, like all of us, you found that there's this, uh, uh this thing that we, we so lovingly call the film community, uh, 
how did that come about? And uh, and it just you know, did you even know that this like kind of revival, this this kind of that film was kind of blowing up again, or uh, or did you did you was you aware that uh, I guess you were definitely shooting film at the time when things looked pretty bleak as well? So like, what was your thoughts during that when you thought it looked like film maybe was going away, and then all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, there's all these people doing it again? Like, what was your uh, what's your thoughts about that? Uh, well, so we'll have to rewind a little bit uh, okay. in my uh, in my colorful biography, uh, <laughs> and uh, and go to the part to the point where I was uh, you know I was still in England um, doing the uni and shooting film, and then I started shooting medium format because I thought I was going to be Ansel Adams. Turns out course, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, I, I did I, I did like trips to like national parks in England uh, and you know tripod and everything and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got some nice shots, just now. So, and after that, um, I moved back to to Russia, back to Moscow, Mm -hmm. for a couple of years, and uh, actually did try printing in a darkroom for a little bit, and then uh, things changed. Uh, There was a bit of a financial crisis. uh, There was a bit of a professional crisis, and uh, I had to sort of abandon photography for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for I think for something like two three years I think I the only camera I owned was a camera on, on my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of really went away from photography altogether. Well, that's like ninety percent uh, of people in the world today. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. but, uh, and, and, but the thing is that I didn't sell the Bronic. I didn't say I didn't sell the medium format kit. I, mm-hmm. uh, I kept it, but I didn't shoot it because. I thought, you know, it's not the right time, and the film is expensive, and all that. So, I uh, didn't shoot it for a while, and then I got back to photography through digital, actually. Okay. You know, I sort of went in, I went in waves. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was digital again, and I guess that was around the time that film really started to have a comeback, uh, and I did not notice it, because I was in digital again. Mm. Uh, I only noticed it... <laughs> Because at some point I uh, I was seriously considering selling uh, the Bronica kit to fund uh, a full frame you know fancy full frame digital oh, yeah. yeah and uh, I thought oh, okay I'm not shooting this camera it's been you know it's been hanging around my house for three four years now uh, I should sell it you know use the money and just to you know to be a good seller and not to uh, uh, calm people into buying a faulty camera. Uh, I decided to, sh- to just run a roll through it uh, and see see if it still works and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was doing a photo shoot for a friend, and I sort of snuck in the digital at the end. Oh, sorry, the the film the film one at the end. And uh, well, the film shots ended up to be the ones that the model liked the most, and oh, also wow. I liked the most. Right. It was just it just totally blew me away. Uh, and I thought, oh man. I had such a nice plan of what to do with the money, and now I have to keep the camera. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. totally, totally. Uh, uh, you probably already had that money spent too in your in your mind, right? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I already had it all planned out, you know. Right, right. And uh, and then suddenly I had to reverse everything, and uh, yeah, and um, since since then I've been faithful to film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, didn't didn't didn't. Uh, the, the thought didn't occur to me again. <laughs> very, very nice. And um, so, I, I mean, at some point, though, and I think this is a, 
this is how I'm going to segue into this because you know, we, uh, Leo. I think we decided before we started recording, we are both uh, professionals at this at this whole podcasting and broadcasting thing. Uh, uh, and, you know, we just we're just we're just professionals. And, and just to show you my professionalism, I'm going to use this as a chance to segue into you know, you're in you're you're into film again. You at some point find a film community and decide that you know what? I think I need to do a podcast and, uh, and because uh, that's what all the cool kids are doing. And uh, and and so you you start the uh, the ten rows of film. Uh, podcast. So, uh, first of all, I, I have famously messed up the title uh, every time I've mentioned it. I think on the show, I think I've called it Twelve Rows of Film, Ten Rows of Film. I, I don't. I think I'm, I've screwed it up several times. But, uh, but what's the meaning of Ten Rows of Film? Uh, the name. Oh, first. it's it. It's very simple. It's just that when I uh, started shooting film again, uh, I had to find uh, a supplier for the film. Mm-hmm. Sort of had to find a shop. And, uh, you know, I'm in the Netherlands, but I actually found a shop in Belgium uh, uh, online that had and still does have sort of have discounts on the film if you buy 10 rolls or more (laughs) of the same same one. Right, right. So what I would what I would do, especially back then, is I would buy 10 rolls of a specific film and then just, you know, yeah. Yeah. You, you get the discount, use up those 10 rolls and buy 10 rolls or something else, which is actually <laughs> also a very useful move because, you know, in those 10 rolls, you get to know the film. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So actually, I kind of like the idea. And uh, so, yeah, I just uh, I thought, you know, how, how should I call like my sort of photographic presence? And I just looked <laughs> at this at this brick of 10 rolls and I thought, ah, you know what? Central the film is okay. There you go. There you go. So what made you what made you uh, decide to uh, like, because I, I know that. For me, I started this podcast because, honestly, I didn't know anybody in my town shooting film, and I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. So I was like, you know what? And my wife was tired of hearing me talk about it. So I was like, I need, I've got to talk about this stuff because I'm so excited about it, but I don't have anybody to talk to about it. So I'm just going to record this podcast, and because at least I can, even if nobody hears it, I can at least get this stuff off my chest, and uh, <laughs> and, and I feel like I'm talking to somebody about film. <laughs> so was what was your reasons for uh, uh, starting a, a film podcast? Well, my, my reasons were, dif- were definitely different because, uh, you know, by the time it, the, the thought came to my head, uh, I was very aware of a, a whole number of film photography podcasts, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like there needed to be more of them. So I always argue that because I, I, these those podcasts got me through a lot of years of factory work. So I, I was always all, all, all about the more film podcasts, the better, because it gets me through a night at the factory. So, so I was like, everybody start a film podcast. <laughs> so because I, yeah. I just I just need more content. But I know uh, it, 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 there's a lot out there now. So but it was a good, that's well, a good it's, thing. Kind of difficult to listen to a podcast when you play violin, so uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, a, little, a little different situation. Right. Uh, but for me, it was uh, yeah. I just thought you know I could um, sort of contribute to the uh, to the hive knowledge uh, in field photography community with something. And uh, uh, the thing is, the problem was that uh, you know you guys make it sound so easy. <laughs> uh and just like you know you, you you feel like you know you, you just uh you just have this skill and and this uh, character to just you know swim through whatever you know like it doesn't matter how how you know how fluent or how stubborn the the, the guest is it doesn't matter you know if you have something to talk about or not you know like it just it, it it sort of just goes with its own flow and it doesn't I, I, matter I, I, 
I, I, I totally appreciate that, that, but I, I just went for the first time I was, I, I, I hit up Andre today, uh, for Thanksgiving, tell him happy Thanksgiving. And, and I, I said, Hey, Andre, I listened to, uh, 97 through 100 when he was here in town with here. And I was like, Oh my God, like it's, I, who are these people? First of all, like, <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of, I was, and I, I told him, I was like, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him because it reminds me of when he was in town and we had a really good time together. But, but, uh, but I, 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 I can, I know now that I'll never go back and listen to the old ones again, because after listening to those, I was like, Oh my God, I'm embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> but, so, uh, but yeah, so I, I appreciate that you, uh, found any sort of professionalism in this, but, uh, <laughs> But that's I don't I don't see that. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just like you know I like I like I don't think it's it's like I kind of imagined like listening to the episode and and at some point you know any of the guests any of the guests or any of the hosts going ah you know what screw this we we we're not doing this this is bullshit. <laughs> 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 I, I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna happen, and uh, that did that did happen with me recording my podcast. So, uh, but you know, so, I, yeah. I used to I used to uh, there has been several times uh, back in the early days when I was just doing a, a show, much like how you do your show. Your show is just uh, you know it's just you uh, talking about uh, you know uh, your photography or, or or just different uh, subjects you want to talk about in photography, and that's kind of how the show started. Uh, but there was many mornings I would wake up and go to work, and it's like. I recorded a podcast last night. Uh, I hope I should check that because because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what I said. And uh, usually alcohol was involved, and and <laughs> and there was there was one I had to delete, but uh, most of them I listened back the next day. I was like, oh god, that wasn't that good. But oh well, whatever. It is what it is, you know. Uh, at that time, I really wasn't concerned, and, uh, and actually, I don't know if I am concerned anymore <laughs> ever be that. But back then, there were so few listeners and stuff. I was like, ah, it doesn't matter, you know. But like, uh, so I'll know I'll never go back and listen to those. But uh, on uh, now, yours. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I've, I've listened to every episode, uh, but it's been it's been a little dormant for a while. So, is there is is ten rows of film is not done, right? Well, uh, the podcast in its current um, format is probably done. Mm. Uh, I might I might sort of uh, reserve it for um, maybe things like interviews or something like okay. that. Okay. Because um, I I since sort of switched to to YouTube, yeah, yeah. Which uh, and you bring uh, me to the next the next topic. You're giving me, you know what? You're giving me that perfect segue, Anna. So <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's, what, that's what professionals do with each other. It's, it's professional courtesy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you know, you know the move. Um, right. So, so the thing is that, uh, yeah, you know, I looked at my podcast and thought, you know what? I'm like struggling to um, keep up with any sort of consistent schedule for making the podcast, uh, and um, yeah, I'm just having trouble organizing myself to do it uh, regularly at, at, at sort of a, some sort of quality standard. So what do I do? Well, clearly, the right solution is to switch to a format which involves a lot more preparation <laughs> a and a lot work. more planning <laughs> and a lot more work. Right. <laughs> Well, it kind of sounds like it's kind of kind of the film photographer's uh, ethos. We've talked about this a little bit uh, recently on, on recent shows. Is that uh, we've taken something like photography and uh, cho- have chosen to do it in the hardest, slowest way possible, and 
And so, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You've kind of done the same with your, with your, uh, uh, with your going from uh, podcasting to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot and I think, uh, first of all, um, I, I do think that YouTube works better for loners like me. Uh, mm. like it works better to do, to do the videos because you can still, um, I don't know. I, I feel like podcasts do their best when they are uh, about a dialogue or about a, about a community, like mm-hmm. when it's interviews, when it's multiple hosts. Like I feel like that really livens, livens up the, uh, the the podcast. And I think it's no coincidence that the you know the vast majority of prominent film photography podcasts are like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's and I think that's uh, uh, that's the way it should be, really. Yeah, that's, that's um, a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that angle because I, I do remember in the early days of doing this podcast that, you know, there was times when I would be trying to explain something that I was doing or some experiment I was trying. And, you know, it's just a solo show with just me. And it was difficult to get across. And, you know, and because I can't show anybody anything, you know, or like if I was, if I, was like I remember, I think it went, I don't know if I did this on a podcast, but one time I was trying to explain like, you know, just how like you can, you know, scratch off a square on your, on your, uh, uh, on the on the uh, oh the the, the, the oh, shoot, what do they call it the code you know the the barcode on your film canister oh, the DX the DX, the DX code, code. Yeah. that's it you can scratch off like on Tri-X, you only have to scratch off one little square of one black square and make it silver because if you scratch off the black paint and it's silver underneath and you can change that from four hundred to sixteen hundred in like for an automatic camera or whatever and I I don't know if I tried to explain that on a podcast that's just one example but that's that's hard to explain on audio like you, you kind of yeah need a video exactly to show that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like YouTube felt like it, it's uh, yeah. So in in this way, it like it's it's a lot easier to show things, and also I think for things that are meant to be um, either sort of showing something or sort of a bit educational, I think YouTube is just a more efficient media because uh, you know you can see obviously, yeah. and mm-hmm. also because it's uh, you know it's usually a bit more concise than podcasts. It's easier to search for. It's easier to, um, to you know to find the information that you're looking for because you know if, if someone uh, mentions you know asks a question on on the ne- negative positives uh, Facebook group and then someone says oh you know uh, Sunny 16s talked about it on episode what are they up to uh, 3067 <laughs> uh, right. and I, I love them uh, but like you know and and then and then you have to go to that episode and you have to find the part of the episode where they talk specifically about that. Right. Right and 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 you know they've they've done a lot of great things, but it's it's just not very practical if you're trying to solve a specific problem. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, but with YouTube, I feel like it's 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 pretty easy because usually videos are quite concise, and the entire video is on uh, is about one thing. Oh yeah, know, yeah. Usually. And I, and I feel so like that, that's that's where everybody is. Like YouTube is the place to to learn right now. It's, I mean, they call it YouTube University because I mean, anytime I have to fix anything in my house or my car or or anything, it's it's straight to YouTube. And there's always a video for it. Like I could be like, I need to replace a a, a belt on a 2003 Ford Focus, and there's somebody with a, a whole video of it. I'm like, how's that possible? Like of of all the random things, that video is actually out there. You know, <laughs> like it's crazy the amount of material that's out there, and even like uh, directing it with, with, with i mean going towards uh, film photography like you know even even when we talk about like say I, on the podcast say i've shot a role film i've never shot before uh, you know and it's i can explain it on the podcast my thoughts on it 
but on YouTube, you can actually show the results, you know, which is, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, right? So like, yeah, and uh, you can actually see, hey, I shot this new film today, and this is what the, this is, this is what the photos look like. And we've had situations where I'm reluctant. I like to do like contests and stuff, and we have a contest that just ended the ghost challenge photo thing or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't really know how I'm going to do that because I hate trying to like have an episode where we – you know, uh, judge photos on an audio podcast. It just doesn't work. So I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to try to do that this time. I think I'm just going to maybe talk about the winners or whatever, but like, cause just going through photos and trying to explain them on an audio podcast, it just doesn't work. There's just no good way to do it. And, uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely a tricky one. Uh, but you know, uh, but yeah, but I, I still think that, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think podcasts will go anywhere. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think, uh, I don't think, YouTube will ever fully replace them. Also, because you know, simply you know, imagine that if you do your podcast but you do it on YouTube, uh, that would involve you know, uh, videoing uh, the guests, for example, which I think will make it difficult sometimes, just logistically. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's I, I feel like a, so I don't see YouTube as a competition to podcasts. I think no. it's just a different, yeah, just a different thing. Yeah, it's a different medium for kind of a different, with really kind of a different purpose. I, I think you're right. I think podcast strength is just uh, kind of like getting ideas out there and getting to learn uh, somebody about their methods or whatever, or kind of some of the more philosophical things about their photography or whatever. But as far as like uh, the brass tacks of what this film looks like, uh, I don't think it really uh, translates all that well. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you started the YouTube channel and it's relatively recent, right? Oh, it's very recent. I only mm-hmm. uploaded one episode yet. Um, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing a series on um, expired photographic paper because awesome. I recently oh, started. Yeah, you got like print, a bunch of printing in the paper, right? Mike, how many segues should I give you? <laughs> <laughs> right, man, you you're making my job easy tonight, man. I, I love it. That's, that's it. <laughs> but, you, but yeah, I saw you had like a a, a crap ton of like uh, Agfa uh, printing paper. Is that yeah, right? Mo- mostly, yeah, mostly, yeah. Before we move, because you did give me a good segue, and I could jump right into that, but I don't think we finished this YouTube thing just quite yet. So, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so basically, uh, I did um, I, I did the first episode of the series on um, expired and fogged photographic paper and sort of what to do with it because. That happens a lot, especially mm-hmm. people who are, you know, starting out and want to find all the darkroom equipment. You know, a lot of the time you just see someone selling an entire darkroom set mm-hmm. that includes, you know, all the bells and whistles, the enlarger, the easels and the stuff. And then usually there is some sort of paper in there. Right. And a lot of the time it's paper that, you know, no one shot in the last 10 years at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Yeah, and a lot of the time it will be fogged because it's not stored correctly or things like that, or just it's too old. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty frequent experience. And it's very tempting to just think, you know, oh, I'm just starting with printing, so I'm going to, you know, just train myself on this uh, worthless old paper, and then I'll learn, you know, then I will print properly on the new paper. Uh, it, it it really doesn't work like that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's because just, it's it, just a massive uphill battle. Yeah, because uh, you're not really actually seeing what what your results would actually be if it was proper paper. I mean, if it was yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's sort of that's sort of what I'm trying to explain in the first episode, just to sort of show what the fog is and like how it affects the the, the prints 
and mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm sort of going into you know possible solutions, and uh, now I'm in the middle of uh, compiling the second part. So yeah, it's 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 pretty exciting. And actually, you know, as much as much work as YouTube videos are, I have to confess that I do enjoy making them. Like it's 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 fun for me. Well, plus everybody gets to see that fabulous hair. So I mean, that that's uh, that's important. yeah. I mean, it's 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 that, that's also excellent. Uh, now now you know now I figured out my hair. Now I need to figure out my facial hair. <laughs> Because my first my first thought when I compiled the the first episode and I just looked looked through it, I was like, ah, oh, that was pretty good. I should shave. <laughs> just, like, uh, it's COVID, man. It's COVID times, man. And most people, even my son, has grown uh, a a pretty righteous beard uh, twice during COVID, and uh, and uh, which actually kind of freaks me out that I have a son that can grow a, a pretty nice beard. And uh, uh, and I'm actually a little jealous because uh, hey, his facial hair is still brown. Mine is uh, all gray, and I blame I blame my sons for that actually. Uh, so, but so, uh, but yeah. Um, well, I guess that. So, oh, I guess we should say this, I and mean, we'll, we'll definitely repeat it at the end of the end of this. But uh, uh, what, what's what's what do you call, what's the name of the YouTube? How can people find you on YouTube? What's the YouTube channel? Uh, YouTube, ch- YouTube channel is called exactly the same as the podcast, so it's Ten awesome. Rolls of Film. Perfect, perfect. Well, uh, Leo, I hope you I hope you don't give up on the podcast. I'd like to see you do some interviews or something. You know, uh, you know, you don't have to. It can be sporadic. A lot of there's plenty of film podcasts out there that you know that that aren't aren't like uh, as regular as <laughs> Sunny Sixteen or, or myself. But uh, yeah, you can definitely don't don't give up on it. I'd like to see it. I I, I enjoyed uh, uh, your podcast, and uh, but I'll, I'll definitely be following the the YouTube channel as well. And uh, and I'm happy to see um, you know you're still getting. Uh, uh, doing doing some content out there because I've always felt like the more people out there preaching the gospel of film photography, uh, the better it is, you know, because uh, we need to get uh, get new people into it, explain things to them uh, if they're new, and just keep uh, keep some of us old timers uh, also just enthusi- enthusiastic about it. So you know, uh, it, that's uh, always good to have more people out there putting out content. So. Uh, but I think you've kind of you kind of gave me the segue, and I I blew the opportunity because I wanted to you know, talk a little more about YouTube. But <laughs> you recently uh, went into some some darkroom printing, and uh, uh, I did it a little bit in high school, and then I did it like a, I don't know, I guess man, gosh, six eight months ago or so. No, it was well, it was pre COVID. I went to John Gregory's house, uh, a, a light in the dark podcast uh, host, and just he lives in my town. And John and I have uh, hung out quite a bit, or not as much as we should, but, and so I, I did my first darkroom printing since like, uh, I don't know, eight, 1989, <laughs> just uh, last year, I guess it was. And it, it was, it was fun, man. And it's, it's definitely something I want to do again, but uh, my time uh, just is not, I'm not even shooting enough uh, as much as I want to. So I just, I can't commit to it right now, but, uh, maybe when I retire, it's on the retire, uh, retirement list of things, uh, that keeps growing uh, daily as I get closer to closer to retirement. But, uh, but and also I have the situation where if I do a dark room at my house, it's going to have to be in a very small windowless bathroom. Uh, but it is also the main bathroom for the entire family, and it's the only one with a shower, and we all are on different schedules, and it would be just really difficult uh, with four of us in this small house in one shower to uh, find a eight-hour segment of time <laughs> to disappear in there. Uh, but so I think you're kind of in the same situation with your darkroom printing. You, uh, we talked a little bit in the pre-recording that you know uh, you, you've got a, a space similar, a situation similar. So tell me about uh, how, what 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 was the the impetus, I guess, to get back into 
uh, darkroom printing and uh, the struggles you're having with uh, small space darkroom printing. Uh, Andre is uh, doing the same thing in a bathroom, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Mike, you may you may still think uh, you may still th- still be under the uh, illusion that um, APS is the is the coolest trend in film photography, but actually, <laughs> turns out that in 2020, it's probably printing in the darkroom. So. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm, uh, uh, that's, but see that, you know, but as far as shooting, you know, I think APS is still, you know, I mean, it's all the cool kids are doing it. It is the hottest trend. Film tired is taking over the world by storm, but, but, but the, the output, the only problem is you can't print APS in a dark room. So uh, that could well, be a you problem. can, <laughs> it's just very, it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. Right. You have to make your own, you have to, you have to make your own negative carrier. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, uh, so yeah, I mean, I've been meaning to uh, to to get back to uh, darkroom painting for a while now uh, because I did it, like I mentioned, I did it for a short time after my bachelor degree in university, and uh, that time I did it for a very short time, and I did it more crappy and larger, and uh, yeah, it sort of it was over before it started in the sense. Uh, I mean, it, it was still nice, like I, I had the, this you know aha moment of seeing the print appear and all that. But uh, yeah, it, it didn't really produce any long-lasting good results. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I was I was thinking about getting into it again, and you know, especially with the COVID and everything, you know, oh, okay. schedules are all different, and there's mm-hmm. more space, more time. But the problem is that you know, uh, my girlfriend and I we live in a fairly small apartment, and the the bathroom is tiny, and it's the only bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the question remains, you know, how to make it work. And then I just stumbled across um, sort of, you know, one of those darkroom kits on sort of local Craigslist kind of thing. Yeah. And it just seemed perfectly suited for my circumstances because uh, just like you, I have this sort of small bathroom with a shower in it. So, yeah, it's it's very small. It's very cramped. And, yeah, there was this gentleman who was selling uh, his darkroom kit and it just seemed really suited to my situation because he was selling an enlarger, which is uh, an Apemos 5 from Miopta, which is very, which you can very neatly fold away, like you can sort of disassemble it and put it in a in a box that resembles a sort of uh, old school uh, luggage bag. Okay. So it sort of it sort of it packs in quite nicely uh, because like there is no scenario here in which I could leave the enlarger assembled, even right. on a cart or anything like that. It's just not 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 gonna happen uh so that was really nice and also he was he he was selling the uh what is called jobo drum for prints for developing okay. prints wow and and the roller which is you know it, it has its own disadvantages but the huge advantage obviously is that you don't need space for trays oh okay uh, okay and it means that you can actually develop prints, I think, up to something pretty pretty big, like something up to 16 by 20, I think. Really? Wow. Uh, in in a drum. So, you know, it's it's pretty amazing. And, you know, there are some things, there are some quirks to iron out still, but um, mm-hmm. I've started printing, and, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, of course, it's in, it's in the shower, so I still need to take it out uh, when the shower needs to be used. But usually, sort of in in a week, uh, there are, there is a couple of days 
in which I have an agreement with my girlfriend that I don't disassemble the enlarger, just take it out of the bathroom. Okay. So it just stays somewhere in the living room, for example, and then I just take it back, which saves quite a bit of time. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 been very interesting, very rewarding. Because yeah, how, it's, it's how long how, how long how long you been at this at this point? Been about four weeks. Wow. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, the only problem I'm 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 having is that uh, you know for the longest time I've been shooting with scanning in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, turns out you should really should like expose and develop a little differently for mm-hmm. scanning and for printing. Mm-hmm. So some things that scan really well don't necessarily print very well. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've actually talked to Andre about this a couple of times and, and he's noticed this. Like, I think both him and I, uh, before he got into darkroom work and I'm not doing darkroom work, but I think we both kind of preferred like very contrasty film and developing methods and and for particularly for scanning uh, i just i, I like con- contrasty photos and films and stuff but apparently with darkroom printing you, contrast can can be a, a bad thing you can always add the contrast in the darkroom but you can't take it away right <laughs> so uh, i've heard well, that like, it has it, yeah it, it has more to do with the fact that like it's um it's definitely easier to add contrast mm-hmm. in the darkroom right yeah. right so you kind of want more of a flatter uh, negative, really, in a darkroom, because because you can always you can always add the contrast, right? I feel like at least to, for mine, I mean, it varies depending on the type of enlarger you have, because mm-hmm. the condensers and diffusers are a bit different. Uh, but I feel that at least to this point, uh, my opinion is that for myself and for the the type of look that I'm usually after, uh, I would say that. I probably need a negative which is not too contrasty and at the same time on average quite thick. Okay. So okay. quite so quite quite dense but not contrasty. Okay. Okay. Uh because you know because if 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 a negative you know that's that's I think where the biggest difference with scanning comes uh because you know in scanning you want the the negative to be thin but just not too thin. Right, but right. Because the thinner, the easier it is for the negative to for the scanner to sort of punch through the highlights or through the shadows if it's a if it's a slide, and uh, and sort of you know get the information in there. Uh, but with with printing, it's the other way around. You sort of if you have a very thin negative, then you have very short exposure times. It's difficult mm. to sort of manage things. It's difficult to dodge and burn. Uh, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit tricky. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, um, do you think that like darker printing is going to be pretty much something you're going to keep diving deeper and deeper into? Do you think it's going to be something you do every once in a while, or is like it's going to be a big, huge part of your process? Well, for now, I'm sort of uh, trying to use to do it on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and uh, just train myself in a sense because right. you know, uh, I. I I learned how to do it before, but I definitely need to relearn some things and, uh, yeah, and also learn new things. So, um, I think it's kind of the thing about film photography. Like I feel like, uh, and this, this is kind of going to leave us, lead it, lead us into our next segue. I'm I'm just, I'm I'm going to set this one up for us, Leo. So I'm just showing you that I can, I can, I can, (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) I've found that like, uh, I, I was kind of confident 
and a little bit cocky in my uh, film photography. I feel like, you know, I, I would never say I've ever mastered it, but I, I've been very comfortable in the last several years that I, I know what I'm doing uh, until I shot some slide film recently, but we'll get into that. <laughs> and, uh, oh, but I feel yeah. like the, the thing about film photography is even the sh- from the shooting and particularly darkroom work, we're never going to master this, right? We're always going to be striving to get better. And I don't think we're ever going to be to a point where we're like, okay, yeah, I've nailed this. I got, we're never going to have like, uh, Ansel Adams mastery. I don't think, uh, <laughs> in, in any of our processes, I think, and I think that's what keeps us, uh, it, as frustrating as that can make sound as the way I'm describing it. I think it just keeps us motivated, you know? And, uh, I think the fact that we know it's like, it's, it's like playing an instrument, um, you know, you're never really gonna, you can always get better, you know? And I think that just the fact that there's that window that you can always get better, uh, at, at your craft, uh, is what kind of makes analog uh, photography, uh, fun, much like playing an instrument. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just that uh, I'm very happy. I don't need to experience stage fright when I develop or or print film. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's definitely something to just you know keep keep at it. But you know, it's it's also worth noting that you know not not anybody, not even Ansel Adams, uh, you know, just went into the into the darkroom for the first time and just came up with a perfect print. Right. Right. So, it it, and it it still took decades, you know, to really perfect it, and he and he kept changing it. You know, it's it's very interesting you know, to see how he printed the same negative very differently through his life. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because he he basically just you know, even though you know the the first the first the, the original version was you know appreciated and reproduced and stuff like that, he still kept improving it and rethinking it and yeah. Right, right, and 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 even even at a time when he'd already gotten enough fame and accolades in, in photography where he could have put out a shit print and people were still would have bought it, but he's still yeah, yeah, trying to get better. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I've noticed was, uh, and this, this leads us to our segue is uh, slide film. Uh, you've shot it. You've been shooting it recently. Is that right? I've shot, uh, quite a lot of slide during my sort of, uh, prolonged vacation, um, in Portugal this summer. Yeah. Okay. And my, I, myself, uh, you know, I, I loaded up on the Kodak Ektachrome E100 when it, it was re-released and, uh, I shot quite a bit of two like family vacations with it. And, uh, recently a month or two ago, I developed like 11 rows of it all at once. And, uh, so home developing of it, which was, was, was easy. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it was only one, like one more step than, than C41, no big deal. Um, but the, um, it, it did open my eyes, man. Like, I have been lazy about exposure uh, through using like black and white films or, or color negative films. And I realized that uh, uh, I was taking for granted that I was letting that latitude uh, of those films uh, give me a huge safety net and got really did not think about the exposure enough with slide film. Uh, you know, it's people act like it's uh, uh, rocket science to shoot slide. It isn't. You just got, but you really do have to think about how like uh like like backlighting or something is going to affect something or uh, there's just a, you really had to think about exposure a whole lot more and I, I i'll admit i had a lot of missed shots on uh, exposure wise and uh, i was like wow okay i am not nearly as good at this as i thought i was and it's time to not be confident and cocky anymore i i, I i've got some things to learn <laughs> i've gotten lazy with exposure and slide film definitely taught me that <laughs> did, did you find somewhat a similar uh uh results uh absolutely yeah 
in a in a in a big way uh, because uh, you know <laughs> I was I was on vacation so you know I wasn't uh, um, how to say I was I was fairly relaxed and I was you know just uh, enjoying my enjoying my time yeah and, yeah. It's kind of the same, same you know, thing. It, 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 yeah. it, it didn't. It didn't feel like the right thing, you know, to just you know go everywhere with the light meter and meter every single thing, mm. and me- meter the shadows and the highlights in every scene I shoot, you know, uh, because you know a lot of the time I wasn't uh, by myself and I hate you know making people wait for me, things like that, <clears throat> and so uh, yeah, but I but I was also acutely aware that uh, slide film <clears throat> does have a lot less latitude. Right. Generally speaking, and uh, so I was like, okay, low. You know what? You you just, whenever you can meter, like please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, I was using my phone uh, with an, with an app, and it worked pretty well. The problem mm-hmm. was that I what, what would happen quite a few times is that I would, you know, find a really nice scene, and I would meter it properly, and I would take a shot, and then there would be something adjacent to that scene that I also became interested in. And I would think, oh, but it's got to be the same exposure as this last shot, right? Right. And I would just skip it and not meter it and take a sh- take a shot of something like I don't know, five meters to the right, mm-hmm. slightly in the shade. Right. And it would come out just murderously unexposed. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was like it, it took me a while to realize just how close to the edge of the cliff you're walking when you're shooting slide film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's, there, I mean, it's not like. It's not like you know one one or two stops either way. It's not going to make a difference. It is going to make a difference. Oh yeah, yeah. But, I've heard a lot of uh, you know back in the day a lot of uh, photo you know like uh, back when film was being taught in schools all the time that a lot of times the the you know the, the instructors would would have you shoot slide film just because you can't hide you, you, the latitude won't save you. You gotta you gotta nail that exposure and like that's what they were trying to teach you. So they made you shoot slide film because of that. And uh, I, uh, I I realized that you know I'm I've been lazy with exposure for a long time and uh, <laughs> and, I, and I, I, another thing I think if I, I don't I'm trying to think now and I'm not I'm trying not to let these results discourage me because I got some good results but like um, but I also got a lot of bad results but uh, I think the next time I do it I'm definitely gonna put the camera the camera I was using was like a '90s whiz bang you know. Uh, uh, fully featured 35 millimeter autofocus camera or whatever. But I think the next time I do it, I'm going to, it has a spot meter on it. I think I'm going to spot meter next time. And like, mm-hmm. particularly like in portraits, like make sure I like maybe spot meter on their face, but then add like a stop, you know, uh, and then, uh, uh, for a, a, you know, just get a little more exposure. Uh, and, uh, but then, and just let the background go where it goes. I think too many, I was just using like the matrix metering or whatever in it. It was uh, taking the light behind the the portraits a little too seriously, and uh, so I got I got some strange results. And the, the thing with side film too, not only do you get like uh, like underexposure or overexposure or whatever, but like when it does that, the colors shift uh, pretty pretty radically. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Uh, it, and it also, a- uh, and also, you know, uh, the thing is that um, uh, you know. It also depends a lot on what, how you sort of um, convert the slides, so how you scan them. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it, that that is arguably the one area where I think uh, camera scanning, like with a with a mirrorless or a DSLR, uh, mm-hmm. is really useful because then you can rescue a lot of the very thick shadows. Okay. So you know, even if you under because you know, basically with light, if you overexpose, then you're it's gone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no data there, right? <laughs> yeah, there is no data. It's, it's it's a lot. It's a lot like digital that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, 
but in the shadows, actually, if you have something, if you have a, sort of a backlight strong enough and, you know, a camera good enough to capture the shadows, then actually the shadows, you know, can get really dense without technically clipping. So, you know, there is, is, they, they look really dark, but there is a lot of information in them. Mm, okay. Are you are you so DSLR scanning or are you uh, using a scanner? Yeah, I'm 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 scanning I'm scanning with the camera. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that that, seems that, to be... that does help. That does help a great deal because uh, I think uh, I I do recall trying to scan I think the new Actachrom yeah with mm. a with a flatbed and it was tricky. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if, if some of my results was from my Epson flatbed because, uh, and I know Ektachrome, uh, the E100 particularly, it has a tendency, uh, it, it's very strong in the blues if you don't get exposure right. And I have some very bluish looking uh, uh, slide photos. And uh, But I don't know if that's the scanner or if that was my exposure. I'm, not, I'm It's hard for me to tell because, I mean, the Epson scanner kind of, it you know, it, it, it it has its own it, that's a whole nother thing that's a whole nother like uh i don't know uh fly in the ointment i guess as far as like getting uh <laughs> getting the you, the final result so i'm not sure maybe maybe i should try uh some digital camera scanning them see see if i can uh, get a better result out of them because right now it's like eh, you know I, i'm not i don't know if it's me i, I think i'm sure some of it is me <laughs> but some of it could be the scanner because i, I got a lot of very bluish photos particularly anything and shadows turned uh, quite bluish, and uh, so, uh, and I don't think it was my development because I used a brand new uh, E6 kit, and I kept all the temperatures like perfect and all that stuff. But uh, are you uh, home developing your your E6? Yes, uh, yeah. I was developing with a six bath Bellini kit. Okay, okay. Uh, which which is uh, which kit did which kit did you use? I use the uh, the one that the FPP sells. Uh, I think it's the I think it's basically a Unicolor kit, um, and uh, I think it was only uh, there was only there was two developers than the Blix. I guess it was so it's I guess less processes than what you were doing. So uh, maybe okay. a little yeah maybe a little little a little uh, less uh, exact as as what as, as what you were using. So yeah. Well, I I, I mean uh, this is the first kit that I'm using, so I've I I, I can't speak to the differences, but. Mm-hmm. Um, is <laughs> I, I'm actually I'm actually okay with there being so many steps, but uh, it's 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 a lot of steps because it turns out <laughs> that a six six bath kit. First of all, it's actually right. a seven. It's actually a seventh bath kit. Oh wow! Uh, and also uh, there there is like a, a an intermediate wash between the first developer and the reversal, and the and the bleach and the fixer are separate steps as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a dance, but uh, yeah. It was it was okay. Uh, you know, you're talking about the the blues in the ectochrome. Uh, d- does it look blue on the light table or light box? That's a good point. I should I should I haven't thrown them on a light table. I should try that. Yeah, yeah. I need to do that because maybe that would that would that would definitely help me uh, figure out if it's a scanner or if it was me. I have a feeling I'm gonna find out it's me. But uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I gotta, I mean I do have the scanner has always been good at everything else it's done. I don't know why I should question it, but it's the first time I've I've, I've scanned slide film. So who, who knows? But uh, it's probably me, Leo. It's probably probably me. <laughs> but <laughs> but, the, the, but the, I don't, sh- don't stop. Don't start beating yourself up just yet. <laughs> I should put them on the light table, though. I need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, actually, that's that's uh, maybe my biggest problem with slide film is that, uh, you know, you develop it and you see it right away, and then once it's dry, you see it on the light table, mm-hmm. and 
like I don't know what to do or how to do it, but I can never for the life of me make a slide shot look as good on the screen as it does on a light table. Oh, okay. Okay. Like just yeah. uh, just on a, on the light box is just like if it's if everything comes together and it's developed well and it's exposed well and everything and it's a good shot, like like a six by six it just looks amazing. Like it's it's the colors and the and the brightness and yeah. the, everything. Just, it just, it's the it's whole beautiful. it's a, it's the whole thing. Uh, it looks it's like beautiful, a, but but then a little piece little piece of stained glass and uh, <laughs> it it really does though. Yeah. <laughs> right. But right. the thing is that like. It I can never reproduce the same like luminosity of colors if that makes sense mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the same because like they are not oversaturated but they are very vibrant and very luminant and right. like I I just don't know like this is maybe where my like uh, post processing and Photoshop skills sort of hit the wall mm-hmm. uh, I just I just don't know how to how to get that and in a sense that's that's the, my biggest disappointment with slide film is that. You know, with color negative film, you know, you, you shoot it, you develop it, you look at the negatives. You know, they're negatives. You know, you don't you don't perceive them as the picture yet. You right, see right. All the things, uh, but and then you know, and then whatever you make of them in the post processing is what you make of them. You know, sort of, and you and you go with that result. Mm-hmm. But you don't have any reference point that you think, ah, this is how good it is. I need to make it look this good. Mm-hmm. But with life film, there is, and you know, to me, it's always like a little bit of a disappointment. Right, right, because uh, like you can't really. <laughs> there's no way to share or show people. Uh, you're not going to have people come over and look at your slides on a light table and say, "Look uh, how uh, great unless, these look." Uh, <laughs> unless, uh, yeah, unless that happens, or you are you you have a really good projector or something. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, Leo, this has been. Um, a very fun conversation. It's it's really nice to uh to get to, to finally talk to you, man. Like I feel like I feel like you've been you've been in the negative positives community for a pretty long time, right? I feel like you've been around for a bit. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Uh, hard to tell exactly how long, but it must have been about three years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's just been. Uh, I'm so glad we we kind of. Was able to, to make this happen. I've been wanting to find a way to get you on the on this program for a long time, and and we finally did it. And uh, it's been uh, every bit as uh, as fun as I thought it would be. So uh, thank you for joining me tonight, Leo. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, you know, if I do go on with uh, the Ten Rolls of Film podcast as a sort of interview format, then um, you better prepare yourself. <laughs> well, and, I, and be, I don't know. And be, pre- and be be prepared to return me all those segues. <laughs> I'll work on that, and uh, I, I don't know, man. After I don't know if you heard my appearance on the Classic Lenses podcast, but uh, apparently uh, it caused quite an uproar. So you think think strongly. Oh yeah, I have, I have, yeah. <laughs> think strongly about whether you want me to well, come. We, in. we will do. We will do. We will do an. Ex- we'll do an extensive pre-recording session. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to lower the standards of your podcast. Apparently, that's what I do when I appear on other people. So, but, so, but, uh, well, uh, Leo, how about you tell the fine folks uh, where to check you out uh, your your podcast and the YouTube and and just your photography in general. So uh, on YouTube, you can find me on Ten Rolls of Film YouTube channel. On Instagram, it's Ten Rolls of Film. And the podcast is also, guess what? Ten rolls of film. Uh, that, that's awesome. It'll, it'll make my show notes so much easier that it's the same all the way through. So. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, you know, just just Google ten rolls of film. The first three links is Leonie Kishin. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so yeah. Um, and yeah, and also I'm fairly active uh, on the Negative Positive Film Photography Facebook group. Don't forget to check that out. Absolutely. And yeah, that's about it. Oh, no, and if you're, or sorry, I'm going to I'm going to do a shameless self plug. Okay. Uh, and if you are so inclined, check out my Etsy store for zines, which is currently one zine. And awesome. guess what? The store in Etsy is also called Ten Rolls of Film. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, so, what, what what was the zine that you? I don't I don't know that I even was aware you had a zine out there. What, what is it? Uh, the zine uh, is called Seaside, and it's uh, black and white photos of the sort of seaside area here in The Hague. It's, uh, awesome. It's, it, it, it used to be a fishing village called Scheveningen. Uh, and uh, yes, it's, it's, a very, it's a very pretty and very sort of uh, vibey part of town because it used to be a, a resort back in the day, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. with air travel, it stopped being one. Uh, and yeah, it's, 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 it's very nice. Nice well, thing. One thing I forgot to ask you, I think I, I think um, last time I spoke to someone from the Netherlands, uh, film pretty expensive there? Well, define expensive. <laughs> I don't know. I, honestly, it's been a while since I've, I've bought some new films. I don't even know really, really where prices are hovering at right now. So you could tell me a price and I'd probably be like, huh, I don't know. I, it's been a bit since I bought some new film. I, I've got so much film in my freezer. Like, it's just ridiculous. So uh, I, I may not. By the time I have to buy another roll of film, there'll probably be like a $27 a roll or something. But uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, so is, is there plenty? Of, do you mostly mail order or is there a shop? Is, is this, yeah, I guess it's the shops. Oh, there. definitely. Definitely order. Oh, okay. Definitely okay. order. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, there, there, there are some uh, very nice um, online shops in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Photo Impacts. There's Mako Direct. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in Belgium that I sort of named my podcast after, in a sense. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's called Retro Camera. Uh, they're very nice. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the film is not cheap, and it mm-hmm. certainly isn't getting cheaper. Right, but uh, I think, at least for me, for the for the time being, it's okay. And uh, uh, I've sort of um, made a bit of a resolution not to buy expired film for now, mm-hmm. and just you know, just sh- shoot more uh, consciously, save up, shoot fresh stuff, support yeah. the industry. That, that does help. Yeah. It helps, and I, I honestly, I'm getting a little burnt on on expired film. I have a ton of it in my freezer, and and I've been a little leery about shooting it uh, because I, you know, the very little chances I get out to shoot, I don't really want to like, you know, worry about the results at the end of the day. Like I want, I want them to come out at least okay, you know. <laughs> like, and sometimes expired film, sometimes it comes out awesome, but man, there's that fifty percent chance it's it's going to look muddy and murky and like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of losing my, uh, my, my enthusiasm for, uh, expired film myself. And, and besides it helps to buy a new, new film anyway, to help the, the, you know, the current sit market or whatever. But, uh, as film gets more expensive, do you find yourself like choosing some of the more cheaper stocks or are you still staying with, uh, uh the premium stocks? Uh, cause uh, where are you at with that? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, look, I've, I've, I've only ever shot, uh, uh, actually, no. I haven't shot. I still, I still, ha- I still have it. I only have one roll of Cinestill film. I, I have <laughs> a roll of Cinestill 800T, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I only got it because it was part of, uh, like, it came with the camera or a lens or something like that. Okay. So, 
so yeah, premium films, not not my thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I do find myself um, drifting towards somewhat cheaper stuff. Like mm-hmm. I I do want like the next probably the next thing I will try is Fomapan One Hundred because mm-hmm. I haven't for some reason I don't know why. Actually, that's a pretty uh, decent film. I've shot that. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to try that. Uh, and also, like, I'm I'm starting to see now that, especially with the darkroom printing, uh, arguably development and uh, and printing, sorry, exposure and development and printing, they make a bigger difference than the film, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think I think a you know a, a well developed Formapan 100 uh, exposed correctly and and developed correctly. Is likely to be easier to print and look arguably better than, you know, something fancy. I don't know what could it be, T um, Max One Hundred or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll definitely be different because they're different films, obviously. But right, right. I feel like the, the, in terms of impact on the final result, that might be the case. I see. Okay. Well, uh, Leo, it's been it's been awesome having you, man. And uh, thanks for joining me again tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the chance to you know say the famous uh, the famous uh, in line here. So uh, uh, <laughs> see if you see if you know it. We didn't talk about this in the in the uh, the pre recording, so you, it, you're totally on the spot here. We're gonna have an idea of how much you actually listen to the show if you can if you can nail this uh, this ending here. But uh, but uh, <laughs> so put you on the spot. And uh, but see, I gave you, but I did in a way I did give you a segue there. So you gotta give me some credit there. But yeah, but, uh, but oh but, man, <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can handle the stress. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's 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 when people screw it up that it ends up being the best. Anyway, everybody likes to watch a train wreck, so uh, that's. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's uh that, there's that so uh thanks to leo for joining us tonight and definitely check out his podcast uh 10 rows of film and his youtube channel 10 rows of film and uh, uh it's been a blast leo uh hey uh th- thanks for joining me again and hey uh everybody stay positive and shoot some film <laughs> right out of the gate and and shoot some cool film photos i can't believe i ah oh, jesus christ all right. <laughs> uh, that's good. It's good. I like it. You, you nailed it. You know. I mean, hey, I, mean, I, 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 I came. I, I came in hot. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. You know what? But see, everybody deserves a second chance, and I, I believe that in life. So there you go. And you, you nailed it on the second chance. So there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all, yeah. all right, Leo. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Final segment and a huge thanks to Leo Nikishan from Ten Rows of Film, pretty much everywhere, podcasting, YouTube, all the socials. Uh, definitely check him out. Uh, it was great fun to talk to Leo. And Leo, thank you for for spending some time with me. It was a, a great chat, and I had a, had a blast at it, man. And I just uh, I love what you're what you do in the community. So uh, huge thanks to Leo. Uh, all right, so this is the final segment. 
and I want to kind of get this show, and it's already going to be a long show, but I need to at least get a, a call in here. Uh, and this one's going to come from none other than Mr. Mike Kukavica, who, you know, had a little email in the in the first segment that I read. So uh, I love Mike Kukavica, <laughs> and uh, he's going to do a little a little call in about the Instax Square printer. So let's listen to see uh, what Mike has to say about that. Hello, Mike. Hello, Negative Positives podcast audience. My name is Mike Kukavica. I'm calling in to review the Fuji Instax Share SP3 SQ printer. Wow, was that a mouthful. But what this is, is a small device that lets you send a picture from your phone to it, and then it'll print that picture onto a square Instax film. These printers have been around for a while. At least the Instax Mini printer came out a few years ago, I think. And uh, the Instax Square printer it's always looked cool, but it was kind of expensive at like, I think it was $150 or so. It seemed like a lot. About a month ago, I saw that there was a sale for about half price and I kind of hemmed and hawed about it and didn't do anything. Then came back up this week that it was on sale again for half off. And this time I was like, I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to get that. So I ordered it and the post office brought it to me yesterday. And boy, I've been going through film like crazy this morning. Actually, I went through all the film I have. But the funny thing is, whenever you're going to do a review, I tend to think to myself, the first thing you should do in the review is explain what it is you're reviewing. And okay, so this is a small box. It's a small printer that that you put Fujifilm Square into, uh, Instax Square, and then it will print that out. So it's a really simple thing. Um, but I tell you, it's it's loads of fun. Sometimes that with the instant cameras that are out there these days, we don't have the ability to take the kinds of pictures we'd like to take, right? A, a good example of that would be uh, when you're at a party or something, or you have some people over and everyone's taking pictures with their phones. Well, it'd be nice to, to have an instant picture of that, wouldn't it? Uh, but the thing is, sometimes the instant cameras don't work that well. So if you've got a nice picture on your phone that you took, and phones are getting really good these days, right? So it might be cool to have that picture that you captured with your phone and uh, to put it onto an Instax print and be able to hand it to someone or stick it right onto the refrigerator if you like. One of the other uses I can think of is when you have a nice picture that you've taken with one of your other cameras uh, that maybe is already in square format because it came from a medium format camera, something like that. And then you'd like to have an instant version of that. Actually, that's what I've been doing this morning is I had three packs of the Instax Square film and I, I burned it on, on 30 pictures from uh, most of them were pictures I had taken with my other cameras, mostly the Hasselblad uh, 500. So they were already in a square format as it was. And it's so cool to see that. In fact, coming to film photography late as I did, I, I missed the whole pack film thing. And I really, really regret that. And this is, of course, a more clunky version of that because, well, I'll explain how it works in a second. It, it takes a few steps, but in the end, you, you can come up with an instant picture, though, that's the same as you had almost as if you'd taken it with a Polaroid back on your camera, with some significant differences, of course. So if you don't have any FP100C or any of that old pack film in the fridge or any other way to shoot it, uh, and you don't want to spend the kind of money that it takes... This is a reasonable replacement. So how does it work? On one hand, you're going to need the Instax Share app from whatever app store that you get your apps from and install that onto your phone. Uh, and the second thing is you need to charge the battery of the device and put some film into it. 
And once you've done both of those things, you turn it on and then it broadcasts a Wi-Fi signal that you would then want to hook your phone onto. So if you're at home, you'll have to switch your uh, Wi-Fi network to, to the Instax. But once you have gotten through that, it works out pretty good. I had a couple hiccups with that in the beginning, um, but you know, between the, the phone and the Instax machine, it's hard to know the disconnect is between the two. But after a couple of tries, I got it set up and it works really nice from there. So once you have the two devices connected to each other, you can send prints to uh, the printer many different ways. I mean, they, they have a way of going into an Instagram account or a Dropbox or some other place, but that to me seemed a little bit more involved than I wanted to get. So I just put the photos that I wanted to print into the camera roll on my phone and then browse from there uh, and printed them. Knowing that this was a square format and a lot of the pictures I wanted to print came from my Hasselblad, I already had things in squares and was already in good shape. You can crop uh, and, and zoom and scale the pictures through the app. You can do several different kinds of edits. However, most of the pictures that I already had the way I liked came across just fine. However, in my observation, uh, you really need to watch out for high contrast images. Instax film, it has even less latitude uh, or dynamic range, I should say, than slide film. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of room there. I've got a Mint RF70 that I've been shooting with a lot, and I've learned the hard way uh, how narrow that range is. I mean, one stop uh, can go from an unusable picture to having it be exactly the way you want. So um, it, all I'm getting at is that when you're looking at one of your uh, photographs to print. If it is extremely bright, you may want to consider flattening it out a little bit, uh, raising the shadows and uh, lowering the highlights, because by the time it gets translated to the film, that contrast will be right back there again. And you might be wondering, as I was, could you print a black and white image onto color Instax film? And the answer, of course, is yeah, you can print anything onto it. Uh, but in what I noticed is that it has a pretty purple-blue cast to it. Um, it. And fine details aren't that great. If you have something that's actually fairly high contrast, that looked really nice. I had a picture of my wife standing in the doorway, and she was kind of framed by some blackness around her. And that one came out the closest to being... Um, true black and white, even though it's not. Um, the the kind of low contrast pictures that, that look more like pencil drawings are going to give you a little more trouble with this film. So if that's what you're looking for, you should probably get some of the monochrome uh, film from Fuji for that. So you may be wondering what, what I think are the pros and cons of this. Uh, the pros are that you can print out pictures through your phone and have them be on Instax film. And the colors are great. Uh, the quality is great of it. Uh, and, you know, still, we're always talking about printing your work. This is definitely a, a different avenue of doing that and maybe a little bit more expensive of an avenue, but it's it's a really cool one. I, I really see this as a, a great little thing to put in a letter with to somebody or even something just to put in the dashboard of your car like in the old days. So as far as upsides go, I, I think there are many of them. 
Uh, as far as downsides go, I think the biggest one is the cost of the film. Um, Instax Square seems to be the most expensive of all the Instax. It, it seems like when you look around, it's still hovering around a dollar a shot, which is funny because the Instax wide, you can get around 75 cents a shot, you know, a pack of 20 frames for about $15. Uh, whereas with the, the square, it seems like you're at around $20 and that's how it is. So there is an expense factor, but still it um, makes you be a little bit careful with what you're doing. And having said all that, I've only had this for about 28 hours. So I, I don't claim to know everything about it. And I can't say that I've shot hundreds of, of frames through it. But so far in the 30 frames that I have printed from my three packs this morning, uh, I've really enjoyed it and I really think they're beautiful. And I encourage you, if you've ever been thinking about it, uh, maybe go take a look because Black Friday is coming up. I know right now um, some of the places have it on sale for around half price. Uh, and hey, nothing's better than something good for less money. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this. I hope I made sense to you. And yeah, if you're on the fence, go ahead and get off the fence. Try it out. All right. Thank you very much for listening to me. I hope you have a good day. You're healthy and well. And uh, what what's the saying? Stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Mike Kukavica, for this uh, little review of this little Instax printer. Uh, Mike is obviously, uh, like I mentioned earlier, on Instagram as the drunk underscore darkroom and uh, kukavica.com, K-U-K-A-V-I-C-A.com. Uh, I actually have, have had a, a similar experience uh as far as like when I we, we have parties over here in the Gutterman Cave, and uh, I like to take party photos, and in, instant prints are really fun things to give to your guest. And so, but I found like oh, the only instant cameras that I have really are like Polaroid cameras and like with Polaroid film. And in the low light of the, the man cave here, uh, they don't really come out well at all, even with flash, they just kind of come out bad like one thing i've learned about polaroid film is it needs a lot of light and so i end up buying and i've talked about this many times this is kodak like digital uh printer camera sort of it's a kodak smile classic and it's sort of the similar concept and honestly i've only like shot this camera as an actual camera like a couple of times i need to like take it out in daylight and see how it does but like uh in like low light it doesn't it, like like most instant uh cameras it doesn't do all that well but what I use it for is it has Bluetooth capabilities. You take a shot of your friends here in the in the man cave, uh, drinking and having fun, and you take these goofy shots on your phone, and then I just connect it Bluetooth with the Kodak Smile Classic camera and have it just print the photos from our phone. And they come out really, really good. Uh, that particular camera uses like zinc paper, which is like a, a heat transfer sort of paper like where it heats like the pigments or whatever I don't, I don't i don't understand the technology but like it's all it, i guess it's technically all digital right but it's it's a good way like you know it's much like mike was saying uh just a fun way to like give people prints uh and so few people have prints of themselves these days it's an amazing thing but every time we have a party i pull this thing out and honestly don't even use it as a camera i use it as a printer and uh send them home with some uh some uh some some <laughs> some joyous party prints uh <laughs> printed from uh taken with my phone and bluetooth to this uh, little kodak smile classic 
and use it more as a printer because uh, it is it is a fun thing to do when you have uh, have uh, loved ones over, friends over, whatever, to send them home with a print. So uh, I definitely can uh, pick up the vibe that uh, Mike uh, was uh, was telling us there. All right, this has been a long show, folks. Hey, you know what? I I, I, I try to make these solo shows shorter, and uh, <laughs> but but it just it doesn't seem to happen. Hey, uh, if you complain about the length of these shows, uh, you, you can listen to them at like one point five times speed or two times speed <laughs> and get through them faster. I don't know. Maybe that's that's how I uh, uh, try to justify my my long length episodes. But so let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, I guess the next thing I need, I need to get to is uh, coffee donations. Uh, we had one coffee donation. It's from Billy Sanford. Uh, thank you so much, Billy. He didn't leave a note, but uh, uh, Billy, if you're listening to this, uh, send us an email uh, to negpositives at gmail.com and give me your address so I can get you a negative positive sticker and pin in the mail. I, I like to give a, a sticker and pin to anyone who donates to this podcast. And uh, so, yeah, if you donate on coffee, uh, please, uh, you know, give me your address so I can get you some, a little bit of negative positive swag out there. Right. And, uh, uh, while supplies last, I'm getting a little low on the pins and stickers, but I still got some stock here. So, uh, anybody that's uh, donated that hasn't gotten one of those from me, uh, please send me your address. I'll, I'll get that out in the mail. So, uh, let's see what else here. Um, uh, listener music track. I got to do that. I do this in all these solo shows. I'm going to go back to uh, Tim Allen, who sent me quite a few files, and um, I'm on my second to last from him. Uh, and uh, after I get out of the socials, you're going to hear a track from Tim Allen. And this is, um, uh, says, uh, this is a, a, a band called Speed Reader, which I think is a great band name. Uh, it's a short-lived instrumental band that derived of myself and two of my dearest friends. Uh, from Tim Allen. Uh, so, then uh, this this track is right up my alley. It's like uh, instrumental rock music. Uh, I've, I've got a little bit of history with that. So, uh, uh, you're going to hear from uh, Tim Allen and his band with two of his buddies uh, doing a, a band called Speed Reader. The song is called Little Precious. And you're going to hear that right after I get out these socials and wrap this, wrap this long episode up. So, okay, folks, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Uh, we our next guest i think is going to be penny ferris so uh look forward to that and uh she's been with us for a long time so i'm looking forward to her having having her on the uh the next episode uh let's see you can see my photography on instagram at gutterman photo on facebook at mike gutterman photography you can email this program at neg positives at gmail.com that's where you're going to send your dad jokes uh for the uh <laughs> for the ken bertram sponsored dad joke contest <laughs> and uh so yeah get those get those in 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 here we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll see we'll get some get some good laughs out of that so uh you can join the facebook group the negative positives uh film photo podcast facebook group uh we also have an instagram account under the account name negative positives mostly ran by uh this is roxana angles so if you submit photos to instagram think about using the hashtag negative positives and uh maybe roxana will see it and highlight it for all of us to check out you can support this podcast on coffee it is www.ko fi.com slash negative positives and we also have uh, a merch site that is uh, negative positives podcast dot big cartel dot com where you can buy some overpriced t-shirts and uh, <laughs> hats and a, a coffee mug uh, so yeah uh, and, and and we will make a, a five cents per order I think something like that <laughs> Which seems to be averaging. So, <laughs> and lastly, if uh, if you need music for any of your productions, uh, check out my music, man. It's uh, it's free. It's Creative Commons license, royalty free, I guess, as long as you don't make crazy money off of it. But uh, 
then maybe you might owe me something. I don't, I don't know how it works. <laughs> but it is uh, www.mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. Okay, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Uh, you're going to check out uh, Tim Allen with his band Speed Reader, with a song called Little Precious. Uh, until then, until next time, everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos.
A Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs> <laughs>